You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Um, before we dive in, though, I want to remind you, we've got these booklets. Are there some in the back? I'm not sure if I... I don't know. Does Jackie make those available? On the table in the lobby. If you don't have one of these, this is kind of your, um, this is your, what do we call your, um, what's going to accompany you as we work through First John. And it's just a great way to engage with what um, is happening in the sermon these next few months. And so these, these booklets are for you, to help you, to serve you. Bring a pen to church on Sunday. There's probably pens out there too. David uh, Erebus just got his, or, or awesome, yeah, so there's some there, pens in the back. Um, don't be ashamed to go um, get that. Secondly, I want to um, highlight a podcast. So think about your life. You spend a third of your life sleeping, right? So it's good for us to have a theology of sleep. And that's probably another sermon for another day. Um, but it is good to have a theology of sleep. There's a lot to be said there. Um, you, in your adult life, at least, uh, until retirement maybe, you probably spend a third of your life working. And so to have a theology of work, like from my eight to five or whatever, a lot of us don't really have a, a nice, settled theology of work. What does it mean to go to work for the glory of God? What does it mean that, that my job actually has meaning and purpose, right? Um, pastors and missionaries are not the varsity team and everybody else is the junior varsity team. We don't, we don't preach that. Sometimes we think about it that way, though. So my most recent podcast that is up now is on um, this book, Dr. Brian Chappell wrote, Grace at Work, Redeeming the Grind and the Glory of Your Job. And I just want to commend it to you guys. It's a really, really important part of our discipleship. And we had a really good conversation. I think it will bless you. So who here has, like, don't be shy now. Who here has uh, the most recent new job? Anybody have a new job in the last month? Yeah? All right. Stacy gets a book. Awesome. Uh, and who's had a tie? Come on, dude. I'll hook you up. There it goes. I like that tie. Don't be shy. You heard, you heard me. All right. Um, so check that out. And um, like uh, Kylie prayed, um, Brian, one of our elders, Brian McGinn, and myself are going on Thursday to connect with Claudio, who's um, pastor of kind of our sister church in Ecuador, and we're just going down quick kind of quick weekend in Ecuador, Thursday to Monday, and we're just going down to encourage him and to hear how he's doing, and um, he's doing a great job planting churches, and uh, he's kind of a, a wild man, and we love him, and, um, and, uh, but there are burdens in ministry that really helps to have other people come and, and care for him in, and so that's our objective going down. Um, so if you could be praying about that, I'll post some things on Slack, I'm sure. And then finally, we'll have a Q&A at the end, uh, assuming we have time, and there's the, the QR code if you'd like to ask a question. Um, take a picture of that right now or uh, bookmark that link on your phone um, for Q&A at the end of the sermon. So if you have a Bible, let's open it up to 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5, and let me pray pray for us. Father, I pray right now that your word and spirit 
would penetrate to our hearts, our minds, our ears. May you give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Lord, I pray that you would, if there's resistance to you this morning, Lord, I pray that you would um, remove it for the sake of your glory and for the sake of our joy. Um, Lord, may it be so. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse 5 with me. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So John reminds us about how are we to think about God. And the Bible says that God here in verse 5, God is light. God is light. What does that mean? Well, the Bible talks about God being light a lot. I'll just give you a few examples. Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 104, you are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment. Jesus says in John 8 and John 9, I am the light of the world. John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16, the, the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. So when our verse, 1 John 1, 5, says that God is light, Drawing upon what else the Bible says about God being light, these are some pictures of what it might mean in the Bible. Think about it like this. God has nothing to hide. He never lies. He's always honest. He says what he means, and he means what he says. His promises are always truthful, and they always come to pass. He will never deceive you and play games with words. He doesn't twist the truth for his own gain. He has no fear of exposure. He is the one who will expose all. He is the truth. That's part of what it means that God is light. So in light of that, what are the implications for us? If God is light, what does that mean for me? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 6, John has something to say about this. If we say we have fellowship with him, him who is light, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, what happens? We lie and do not practice the truth. He's talking here about a big Christian disconnect, right? It's like beware of someone talking a big game but scoring zero points. Like you, you don't want that. You don't want to be that person. You guys know I love basketball, so here comes another basketball illustration. So many, many years ago, this is 80s, 
uh, they still do this to, the, to this day, uh, during the All-Star game, I'm sorry, during All-Star weekend of the NBA All-Star kind of festivities in the middle of the season, they always have a dunk contest and they have a three-point shooting contest. Basically, whoever makes the most three-pointers, different spots on the court in a certain amount of time is the winner. And Larry Bird famously did this. He walked into the locker room as guys were kind of warming up for the three-point contest, and he just announces, who here is getting second? Who's coming in second? Pretty audacious, right? And he was famous for his trash talk. But what happened? He went out there, and he won it. Right? He backed it up. So if you say you're going to do something, you, you should do it. Like, we respect people like that, right? There's a reason that story is still told to this day. Maybe it's because of arrogance, but also because he backed it up. He said he was going to do it, and he did it. Typically, we respect people like that, not for their arrogance, but in general, if you talk the talk and walk the walk, those are people we respect, right? Minus the arrogance, right? That's just a silly example, but you get the point. When people do that, walk the walk, talk the talk, we call that having integrity, right? We respect people who do what they say. We respect people whose actions match their words. And it's the same in our Christian walk, and that's what John is talking about here. John is very focused on this. If your walk doesn't match your talk, we have a problem. Look at what the verse says again. Look at it. Verse 6, if we say verbal talking, right? If we say, if we tell people, hey, I've got fellowship with him. I'm good with God. God and I, man, we're tight. I love God. I'm all about the Lord. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk. So talking and walking. See it in verse 6? If there's a disconnect there, what, what, what happens? What does John say about us? What's the identity word he uses? He says, liar. We lie and do not practice. Literally, do not do the truth. Do not walk in the truth. So John's point here is deception. Lying, deceiving. Whether intentional or unintentional, it's still deception to say, I love God, I walk with God, Jesus is everything to me, Jesus has changed my life. These are all good things to say, and I hope that we say them, but not when we are harboring a secret porn addiction, but not when we're completely divided in our marriage over many months or years. Not when we treat our employees at work with disrespect and selfishness. Not when we worship comfort at the expense of the mission of God. I'll never forget, this, this marked me so deeply when I first was getting started as a pastor. I was in my early 20s and I was leading the congregation of worship and there was a woman who was on the worship team and she was singing and, and, and she was really talented and and raising her hands in worship and just going for it. The appearance was, man, I love the Lord. And then a few weeks later, it comes to light that she'd been cheating on her husband. 
I remember that to this day. Why? That marked me. That was 25 years ago. Why? Because of the disconnect. Because of verse 6. John is saying if your actions are the opposite of your words, then your words are in fact lies. We, We become liars. Like so often, we all know this is true, so often, especially over a long period of time, Someone's actions will tell you more about a person than what they tell you verbally, right? We all know this to be true. It's always been true. It was true 2,000 years ago when John was writing this, and it's true to this day. You say you love God, but your actions are doing the opposite, then you don't actually love God. You're lying when you say you love God, when you, when you, have, fel- that you have fellowship with him, that I'm in communion with God. That's what it says in verse 6, right? Now, does this mean sinlessness? Does this mean perfection? Is that what John is talking about? No. But, and we're going to see that in a second. Very clearly he's not saying that. But he's saying, I think what he's saying is, it's given the appearance that I have it all together spiritually. That I have it together. I've reached the pinnacle No failures, nothing to repent of, nothing to grow in. I am in the light. If that's what you're you're, you're giving off while you're walking in darkness, there's a disconnect that will be exposed. It's just a matter of time. But here comes the good news. Here comes the good news. If you're willing to admit it, that man, I don't walk in the light as I should. There is sin in my heart that still needs to get dealt with, that needs to, so, so I need to grow in my sanctification. I need to grow in my holiness. If, if you're willing not to claim spiritual authority, right, spiritual superiority, but bring it all, our sin and our mess, into the light, what happens? What happens? Well, verse 7 tells us what happens. Two things happen, fellowship and forgiveness. Fellowship and forgiveness. When I'm willing to be honest about my sin and not claim spiritual superiority while I'm hiding all this stuff, but willing to be honest, two things happen, fellowship and forgiveness. Look at verse 7. But... So John just indicted us, right, in verse 6. That's kind of the bad news. And now verse 7 is the good news, okay? Verse 7, so encouraging. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, what happens? Two things, fellowship and forgiveness. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When we walk in the light, when we bring our whole selves into the light and let God shine his light into our darkest places, two things happen, fellowship and forgiveness. Let's read it again. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see it there? Fellowship and forgiveness. So start with the first one. Fellowship happens... When we walk in the light, 
Fellowship happens, another way to say it might be, when honesty happens. Like, you know that feeling? I've had this many times over the years in, in my Christian relationships. It happens sometimes in our city groups. It, it happens in my marriage. It happens in my friendships. Like, when you, when you really get down to, like, what's really there, like, one of the guys that discipled me many years ago talked about, you know, there's honest, and then there's more honest, and then there's most honest. And most honest was like that cue for like, all right, guys, um, I'm really taking a risk here. I'm going to be most honest, right? Because all of us, you know, like if somebody asks a question, you can think of immediately, well, there's, there's the most honest answer, but that's a little scary for me to bring that in the light. So I'm going to ratchet it down a little bit. It's still honest, but it's not most honest, right? And I've always remembered that. I think that's helpful. I think walking in the light is most honest. And you've been in groups or you've been in a context probably in your life. If you haven't, I really want you to. When you share something really vulnerable and that vulnerability is shared by others, you have that feeling of connectedness that happens. It's like there's, those boundaries of us hiding are, are stripped away. And when there's boundaries, it's hard to have intimacy in a relationship, Right? Now, of course, boundaries are healthy, but you know what I mean. Like when there is um, a stripping away of the pretense. Like, have you experienced that? Like, I've experienced that in really profound ways over the years. And, man, what is that? It's a blessing. It's a blessing. When we can bring all of us into the light, as opposed to hiding and staying in the darkness, that's where true, deep community can really flourish. On the, on the negative side, man, I've seen the opposite of this over the years destroy marriages. And I, I've, I've, I've had the, it's, it's not a privilege, it, it's the horror of, of having a front row seat to, to the destruction of this in marriages where there's no walking in the light, where there's hiding from one another, like one spouse is feeling things and won't bring it into the light for various reasons. They're hiding. There's no chance of intimacy in marriage when there's hiding and not bringing things into the light. And sometimes we need to get a third party involved. That someone that loves you and loves God's word to bring God's light, if you'll allow it, you gotta allow it, to let God's light shine on the situation so there can actually be healing and growth and repentance and forgiveness. Think about the garden. Think about the opening chapters of the Bible. And this is so foundational to the Christian worldview and to the Christian life. Adam and Eve, the Bible says, are naked and unashamed. What is that? Walking in the light, right? That sounds really vulnerable. I mean, nakedness, if we think about it, that's as vulnerable as it gets in the human experience, right? But before sinner, sin entered the world, Adam and Eve, perfectly content to walk in the light, to be vulnerable with one another. And God created it. He says it's really good. It's his design. 
But what happens when sin enters the picture? What do they do? They hide. No more light. Like we want the shadows to cover us. We want clothing to cover us. We want some barriers in our intimacy, right? They hide, and then there's blame shifting. I'm not going to be honest about my sin. It's the audacity of Adam. He says to the Lord, the woman that you gave me, right? I'm not bringing my sin into the light because it's their sin is the problem. And ultimately, God, it's your sin because you gave this crazy woman to me, right? Their fellowship is completely destroyed by sin. We're going to walk out of the light and not into the light. So God says here in verse 7, walking in the light is how God designed us to have true relationships and true fellowship in the church. Why? Because that's the way that he is. God exists, one God, three persons, in a loving relationship with no hiding for all eternity. Perfect relationship. And then when he creates us in his image, guess what? When he creates us to reflect how he is, image bearers, it's no secret that he calls us to love him and love others, have a great relationship with him, and have flourishing relationships with one another, marriage, roommates, coworkers, neighbors, whatever. A community of walking in the light. No hiding, no secrets. That's how God is. Perfect love for the other members of the Trinity. For all eternity. He makes us in his image and designs us the same way. And John is telling his first audience and us today how that's going to come to pass. True God-reflecting fellowship happens when we're willing to not hide from each other or hide from him and bring all of us into the light. And when that happens, there can be this beautiful reciprocation of relationships. God did not design you to hide from him or others. He designed you to walk in the light. Honest, transparent, vulnerable at times. I know for a lot of you in this room, as you hear me say these things, what you're thinking right now is, Honestly, that sounds kind of scary. But I want to assure you that it's safe. Why is it safe? Many of you have been burned. I have too. Well, it's safe because of the next part of the verse. Because there's forgiveness. And when you know you've been forgiven, that's part of your core identity that can't be changed. See, when you bring your sin into the light, stop talking a big game, but rather own the fact that you're a sinner, sinned in a thousand different ways, what happens? Well, then, when I'm willing to own it, forgiveness then has the chance to happen, right? Look at what it says. If we walk in the light, 
But if we walk in the light, skip ahead, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Like, walking in the light is another way to say repentance. I'm going to, and we're going to see that in the next few verses. But that's what John has in mind here. When repentance happens, cleansing can happen, right? And that's, I love that word that he uses, cleanses, and he's going to use it again. Repetition for the sake of emphasis. Cleanses us. Look at what it says. Cleanse us from a few of your sins. Look at, the, look at the text. What does it say? It doesn't say that, does it? What's it say? It says all. All. That's a big all. Like when you own it and are honest about it, God is willing to cleanse you from all of it. Let's look at this quote. I think it'll be on the screen. This is from um, a pastor and an author named Sean O'Donnell. Does God, or does John mean the sin of adultery, bearing false witness, coarse joking, deceit, envy, fraud, gossip, holding a grudge, idleness, judgmentalism, killing the innocent, lying, malice, not keeping oaths, oppressing the poor, prayerlessness, quarreling, returning insult for insult, slander, trusting in riches, unlawful divorce, violence, and witchcraft? Yes. Does he mean the sin of loving the world, loving yourself, not loving your neighbor or enemy, or, or, um, or following, Christian, following Christian or God? Yes. Or fellow Christian or God? Yes. They are, quote, all covered. Every single sin that stains us and makes us too defiled to commune with the holy God has been cleansed by Christ's propitiation. That means the removal of his wrath on sin. His atoning sacrifice for our sin has made fellowship with God possible. Amazing. Like, let that move your heart this morning. Where there's true cleansing, there's nothing to hide, right? I don't have to hide anything because I have been cleansed. I am in the process of being cleansed, and I will one day be completely and totally cleansed. But, but look at what the verse says. Look, look back at verse 7. Confession precedes cleansing. Walking in the light precedes cleansing. If we jump ahead to verse 8 or verse 9, let's just do that real quick now. If you can do that on the, on the screen, Jonathan, I'm kind of improvising here. But look at verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful to ju and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. He says it again. So see verse 9. Confession precedes cleansing. A lot of you have probably spent some time in an operating room. I've only experienced that once. Uh, thankfully, when I was 17, um, I had the worst stomach ache of my life. So much so, I couldn't stand up straight. I remember um, just coming home from a, a high school basketball game, and I'm like, man, I, I got the flu or something. And next morning, feeling horrible, mom drives me to the doctor. I'll, I'll never forget, like, telling my mom, you have to drive slower because the little bumps on the road made my stomach just, oh, my gosh, it hurt so bad. Had to have my appendix out. Right. It's the only time I've been in the OR. 
There's one thing I know about the OR, though, and it's you've got to have good lighting, right? You have to have good lighting. Surgeons don't like to do surgery in the dark. You don't want your surgeon doing surgery in the dark, right? But hey, I tell you what, like being in the OR and having bright lights shine onto your body can make you feel pretty vulnerable, right? Pretty uncomfortable. Now, thankfully, most of us are anesthetized, but I mean, that, that, that's a picture of vulnerability, ultimate vulnerability. Hey, talk about vulnerable is I'm naked and there's a group of people around me and I'm oblivious. I can't do anything. I'm not even aware of what's happening. Like, that's a picture of vulnerability, right? And they've got these super high-powered lights shining on me wherever they need to. And you can't go to the doctor and say, okay, doc, I'll do the surgery, but you guys have to agree to not shine the bright lights on my health problem, right? Because there's a little, that's a little too vulnerable for me. I know my body's not working right here, but if you could just turn down the lights a bit on the surgery and make me feel more comfortable, I don't want you to really see the extent of how messed up my body is in this certain way. Like, you never say that. You never say that. If the doc's going to do his job, he or she has to see, see it all. You got to bring it all into the light, right? The brighter lights, the better. If there's a, an, an infection, you've got to see where that's at. You've got to get it all or you're going to go back into surgery. Like We all get that. We all can relate to that. And this verse is saying the same thing. When we walk in the light, bring it into the light, surgical level cleansing from sin can happen. But it's got to be the light. It can't be the, the shadows. You can't have cleansing in the shadows. Cleansing happens through the light of confession. You can't turn down the lights on God's surgery. Have to be 100% vulnerable. And here's the thing. This is how we're so foolish. As, as, and I, I join all of us in this, that God knows it all already. It's not like we can hide from the Lord like Adam and Eve could hide if you say you're a Christian this morning, the cross has already outed you, right? You get that. To become a Christian, you've had to own the fact that you have a sin problem and you can't deal with it on your own. I need someone to deal with it for me as a gift because I'm powerless. I mean, that's how anybody becomes a Christian. So Jesus, this cross, an empty tomb, I'm going to trust it outside of myself because I'm not sufficient to deal with this sin problem I have. But I'm so thankful for what you did to make it possible for me to have true and ultimate cleansing. So if the cross is already out at us, why are we still pretending? Right? Why are we so fearful to be honest? Like the cross in, in the empty tomb empowers you to lose the pretense. Right? Like if, if you... 
it's, it's done, right? The surgery's done. The cleansing has happened. That's an identity statement for who you are. I am cleansed by Jesus' cross and the removal of his wrath from me, propitiation, and his empty tomb assures me that it's all true. I can trust it. So my identity is true, cleansed, right? That's what this, this Bible says this morning. You know, hang that banner over your head, have that metaphor in your mind, over my head it says cleansed from all the horrors of the things that I've thought and done. That's Christianity. That's the good news this morning. So you've got nothing to prove, lose, hide, or defend. You hear me? you got nothing to prove, lose, hide, or defend. You're free to walk in the light because you're secure in Christ based on the promises of God's word this morning. You're free to walk in the light because of this promise of cleansing. You're, you can bring it all into the light because God has promised to cleanse it when you do. So you can stand up and say, man, I know I have sinned, and I am sinning, and I probably will sin, but I am being cleansed, and I have been cleansed. I got nothing to prove. I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to hide, nothing to defend, because I'm clean in Christ through the honesty of repentance to God and to others. So fellowship happens when honesty happens. And, and forgiveness happens when honesty happens. Let's just, let me just read 8, 9, and 10 again. If we say we have no sin, here's the deception again, like we were talking about earlier, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You don't want to be self-deceptive. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to, here it is again, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. You don't want to call God a liar. If we, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is just a simple restatement of verse 7. He's repeating himself for the sake of emphasis because this is a very big deal. Fellowship happens when honesty happens. Forgiveness happens when honesty happens. So what's the whole point this morning? Cleansing from sin through confession of sin to God and to others. Cleansing from sin happens when we're honest with the surgeon and allow him to shine his light on it so he can do the surgery and then we can tell everybody how great of a surgeon we have, right? And when these things happen, deep fellowship in the local church has a chance to flourish, and it's beautiful. There's no true fellowship without honesty. There's no true fellowship while we hide from one another. There's no true fellowship without, make, without walking the light as he is in the light. So this is just a great reminder of the gospel this morning. That there's a cure for our cancer. It's confession. It's confession of the cancer and then receiving the cure from the great physician. And this is just a great vision for who we're called to be as a church. Like we're, we're linking arms and walking into the light together where the cross and the empty tomb shine brightly on our sin and our need and, 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 and the light turns into this purifying fire and it burns away and cleanses the stain. 
Like, that's the kind of church you want to be a part of. And may God help us as we continue to head that direction. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning that helps us. Thank you for how you have promised to use it by the power of your spirit. Lord, would you um, apply these things, these truths to our lives in a beautiful way? Lord, I pray that also we would have the wisdom when we bring things to the light, that we would be compassionate and courageous as we receive those things from our brothers and sisters. May we not be heavy-handed, but may we not be fearful to speak truth. Lord, we pray for that beautiful community that gives glory to you and joy to us. Lord, I pray that we'd be a confessing people because of the promises of your grace. And we would not hide. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate the distinction between uh, the distinction be- between the different types of honesty. When does being just honest instead of most honest within our community become unrepentant sin? Well, that's a hard one to answer. Only um, only the person will know. Here's the problem when it comes to our communities: is you can only know what people give you, right? So there is a real blessing. We talk about this all the time when trying to grow and, and, and have somebody else involved in your life. Like accountability groups can be really great. You meet with somebody, confess your sins, have, have people remind you of the truth of God's word and the gospel, and come back and do it the next week. And that's really good. And what's good about it is sometimes those kind of people can be more objective, right? The problem with that model is um, you're only being as honest as you choose to be, as you want to be. Because here's the thing, those people that you meet with for that one hour once a week or once a month, they don't live with you, right? And so you have the, the, um, the ability to simply just give them what you choose to give them. The blessing of it is they're more objective. Now, on the other side of the equation is my wife or my kids, or maybe it's your roommate or someone you might share an office with who sees you all the time. And in that sense, you know, you can't hide and you can't just give what, uh, what you want because they know it all, whether you, whether you are honest about it or not. And so as we seek to help each other, I think it's important to have both. As we seek to grow and walk, walk in the light, like those guys that I meet with for accountability should be able to go talk to my wife and go, if there's ever a disconnect between what she's saying and what you're saying, that's a problem. Uh, because she really knows. Like in this context, you're just giving what you want to give. And so it's all that to say, like, I might be honest with those guys, but there might be some sin there that I'm just not willing to give. 
And so ultimately the question is, when does being just honest within our community become unrepentant sin? The people that live with you will know, right? And so if you're in that, if, if you're just being honest, being like, I'm sort of being honest, but it's kind of staying in, a, in the safe zone, um, you know, you can stay in the safe zone for a long time, but over time, the people, if you have sin that's not being repented of, that's what the question is talking about, by just staying in the safe zone, usually we reap what we sow. Usually um, the Lord, he loves us too much to let us just stay there, and you will be found out. It's just a matter of time. Um. And so why not allow the people that know you the best speak into that, shine light on that, right? If we're not willing to do that, it's usually indicative of some type of a fear, probably some type of a control issue. And then we have to ask ourselves, well, why is that there? If I want to stay at the the safe range of honesty, but I know there's some other stuff under the surface that I'm not bringing to the light, why is that? Why is that? In, In marriages, this happens all the time, and usually what that means is this thing that I'm hiding um, means more to me than actually long-term growth in my marriage, in my relationships. And in the short term, that feels really good. It feels really comfortable. But the long term, trust me, I've seen it over and over again, and you don't want it. It leads to toxicity. And either you're going to get divorced or you're just going to be miserable. And both of those are not good. But what's the promise from today? You bring it into the light. There's potential for cleansing. Scary. Yes, it's scary, right? Surgery is scary. Anesthesia is scary. But that's where the cleansing happens. And so um, all that to say, it's a great question. What, what I think it's talking about most is, if I'm not willing to be most honest, the question is, why is that? Why is that? All of us should ask that question. If you have something to hide, why is that? If you feel like you have to be really defensive, why is that? If you feel like you're always having to prove yourself of something, Why is that? Because the truth of the gospel should free us. It might take a while. It's okay. It's okay. To have nothing to prove, lose, hide, or defend. Meaning, that, that's, that's my way of saying walking in the light. 